Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. On today's episode of Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to talk about this week's election results, or more precisely, the lack of final election results. So today we're going to look at possible outcomes and their impact on healthcare. A Biden presidency and a Democratic Senate, a Biden presidency and a Republican Senate, a Trump presidency and a Democratic Senate, and a Trump presidency and a Republican Senate. To tell us what will happen, what will happen, what will happen, or what will happen, are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder of the Health Management Academy. Dave, Gary, how are you guys doing this morning? Dave? Uh, I'm waiting for this damn election to finalize. Uh, you know, who knew that uh, watching vote counting could be so exciting? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you, Gary? Hanging in there, thanks. I'm actually in a car driving from uh, one part of the country to another, and over beside the road here, so we'll be talking about politics while I watch uh, huge trucks drive by in the interstate. Oh my God. All right. All right. Before we talk about the election, uh, let me ask you guys how late you stayed up on Tuesday night watching the returns and how well you slept that night. Dave? Well, I slept like a baby for about four hours, so that gives you an indication of how late I stayed up. <laughs> Great. Gary, what were your uh, election night watching habits? I just went to bed at the normal time. I figured it wasn't going to be over anyway. So why get too tied up in um, in watching uh, the various uh, cable networks predict uh, what state went for uh, for which candidate? So pretty pretty uh, unremarkable evening. Should have should have followed your lead. I, I went to bed about midnight central right after Biden spoke. Then I woke up at 3.19 a.m. That's what the clock said. Uh, and in between, I missed Trump's meltdown. But I read about that the next day. And then I, I did catch his act last night, though. So let's talk about what could happen. Dave, if Biden wins and inherits a Republican Senate, uh, what does that mean for health care? And if Biden gets a Democratic Senate, what does that mean for health care? What do you think? Well, I don't think I want to spend a lot of time on the, the Democratic uh, Senate. I, it looks to me with 90 plus percent probability we're going to have a Biden presidency and a uh, Republican Senate. So I'm going to focus my comments there and specifically look at the uh, legislative reform, administrative action and, and regulatory reform. On the legislative front, um, without the Democratic Senate, uh, you know, Biden's two main policy initiatives, you know, the public option and uh, lowering Medicare eligibility to age 60 are probably dead in the water. Um, in fact, almost certainly dead in the water. Uh, that pushes us into sort of what's possible in terms of incremental legislative reform. And I, I you know, continue to believe that if we could drain the emotion out of the healthcare debate, that both Republicans and Democrats have a vested interest in strengthening market-based health reform. Uh, and 
that means, you know, cleaning up the ACA. So first and foremost, I think we get a, a, a repeal of that individual mandate so the Supreme Court case can go away. I mean, I can't imagine the Republicans want to be blamed for the ACA's uh, uh, repeal through judicial action. And it's such an easy fix. So I think that happens. I think there will be um, continued efforts to make the program uh, function a little bit better, although probably not as aggressively as uh, the Democrats would like. We might see action on surprise billing. Uh, nobody wants surprise billing, <laughs> and yet it's, it, it's still there. So I, I think you know, incremental legislative reform, a um, little more time for the status quo to adapt to value-based care, uh, which is coming hard from both the regulatory perspective and a market perspective, and constructive incremental improvement that works to make the ACA more effective for the American people. On the administrative front, I, I think you can expect a new tone, science first and center, uh, the Biden administration is going to get to model uh, behavior uh, related to better public distancing, mask wearing, testing, and and potentially tracing too, although the outbreak is so extensive right now. I don't know that we can do much on the tracing front. I also think they are going to have the opportunity, if they can manage a successful vaccine uh, rollout, to really restore faith in government. I mean, Biden is in the position now, given how rampant the virus is, to really be the individual that saves us from the coronavirus. And uh, I think that comes potentially with some huge political capital. On the administrative front, as aggressive as the Trump administration has been and in, in sort of attacking provisions of the ACA they didn't like, the Biden administration will reverse probably all of that. So expect uh, limits on uh, the short-term plans that the Trump administration put forward. My guess is they'll tinker with the subsidies uh, in the same way that the Trump administration did, except they'll tinker with them to increase the amount of, of subsidy that goes to low-income Americans who sign up for the ACA. I expect you'll see um, uh, more marketing dollars put to the ACA, longer enrollment periods, and they'll also do what they can to restore reproductive rights. On the regulatory front, I actually don't think there's much difference uh, here between um, Republicans and Democrats. The commitment to level field competition, uh, transparency, interoperability, all of which started in the Obama administration, actually started in the Bush administration, uh, continued through the Obama administration, and even gained steam during the Trump administration, will continue under a Biden administration. I think uh, you're going to see a really aggressive CMMI in terms of pushing new payment models that shift to value-based payment, uh, promote value-based care delivery. I personally like the market basket approach to drug pricing that the Trump administration came up with. I think the Biden administration would be smart to adapt that. So forward full speed on regulatory reform, pro-market, pro-consumer regulatory reform. How do you think the uh, market is uh, reacting or will react to a Biden presidency uh, regarding health care? The market is out there. Uh, healthcare stocks got a big boost this week when the, the market saw we were in store for uh, divided government. And if you look at what the market is saying, they are continuing to promote companies that are advancing value-based care, 
that are using technology, that are, are giving new consumer options. Uh, at the Kane Brothers Conference last week, there were really terrific panels on sort of the venture mindset and the uh, private equity mindset. And I love Nancy Brown's comment from Oak Healthcare Fintech. She said that when they're looking at investing in companies, they want to invest in companies that are solving healthcare's undeniable problems. And we know we've got a lot of those. So I, I believe the marketplace writ large will put pressure on the industry to change without uh, overriding government influence. So all things considered, I think the next four years for healthcare will will be good under divided government uh, as we drain out some of the emotion and, and focus where we should be on uh, increasing value, really delivering for consumers. Got it, Dave. Thank you. Gary, same thing. Uh, Biden becomes president. Uh, what happens with a uh, Republican or Democratic Senate? Uh, what would we uh, be looking for? Yeah, I agree with what Dave said. I will assume Biden is the next president, and I'll assume that it will be a Republican Senate, barely. You know, if you start here with Biden's legacy, this gentleman has been a politician for, what, 40, 50 years? I mean, that is what he is, a politician. And he came to Congress at a time when the middle was larger than either the left or right. And, of course, now the left and right is much stronger than the middle. But I think Biden's instinct and experience is that the middle is important. So to me, his legacy is going to be one of two or maybe try for both. One of them will be, of course, to resolve the coronavirus issue and the economy. That seems obvious, needs to be done. And I think that's going to take at least the first two years of Biden's first term to try to, to, try to get the pieces lined up in the right order on this. It's a mess, and it's divisive public. I think Trump has, on purpose, made it more divisive. I think Biden's instinct is try to pour oil on these roiling waters, and that's going to take time. The second potential interest that he would have for his legacy is to be the bipartisan president to try to heal the wounds, to try to moderate the divisiveness. My guess is at this point in his career, he's got his legacy left. That's really what he's going to deal with. And and he obviously will have to address coronavirus, whether he wants to view himself as a bipartisan president, moderate the divisiveness, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he does have, in terms of health care in particular, with a divided Congress in a barely Republican Senate. Obviously, what he will do is come in and appoint his own team, the CDC lead, the FDA, HHS, CMS, CMMI, and that'll be a much different tenor. In terms of any healthcare legislation, I think Dave's right. There's not going to be any sweeping healthcare legislation. Uh, they'll try to build on the ACA. They will try to take the wet blanket off Medicare and Medicaid, as uh, Trump has uh, has had it, and uh, that'll 
change things at the margins, no question about it. Uh, however, Biden chooses to go at coronavirus and the economy in terms of health care, which could be to increase Medicaid support. And we talked, I think, last week here about Medicaid being the floor for health care. And I think that what uh, Biden will do probably has to do in terms of coronavirus approach is to, is to strengthen that. I doubt there'll be any major changes in Medicare. They'll tweak it as best they can. But but that's my basic thought about this. Got it. Thanks, Gary. Now, Dave, uh, before we flip the results like they do on the magic board on CNN, anything to add to Gary's comment? <laughs> uh, well, Gary's right. Uh, Biden's a consummate deal guy. He's a legislator. And I actually believe the voters may have uh, saved Biden here a little bit. Maybe that's contrary in perspective, but saved him from the uh, kind of the worst instincts of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party going further than the American people really want to go in terms of pushing activist government in health care. Um, so he's a deal guy. I think he does want to serve as president for all the American people. Uh, so uh, bipartisan instincts, uh, calming influence, uh, all of that, I think, Gary, you know, Gary's spot on. And I believe getting the economy back on uh, on its foot. So, the, you know, there will be a stimulus bill. We're going to need both sides to do that. That might even happen during the lame duck session, which I think it should. Biden is of the belief that and you know, we can't have a high functioning economy until we get the coronavirus under control. And so that that will be his focus. If I were in Biden's shoes, I would bring somebody in from the Republican side, somebody like a Mike Levitt or a Mitt Romney to be my health care czar with the idea of working with Congress on constructive market based reform, really try to drain the emotion out of that. Let them have an early win with getting the ACA fix done and then, you know, attack some of the structural opponents, just to make the ACA work better for the American people. The American people want the ACA to work. The states are getting the expanded Medicaid at uh, increasing rates for up to 38 states and that, like we talked about last week. So I would do that. And then the other thing, like Trump did, he'll appoint his vice president, Kamala Harris, to be in charge of the coronavirus um, and really be front and center. And as I said earlier, I believe modeling better public behavior, getting control of, of testing and potentially tracing, and then having a successful vaccine rollout will be things that people remember for a very, very, very long time. So uh, I'm actually somewhat encouraged by the result here and I'm going to believe, or as Lincoln said, we can appeal to the better angels in our nature and really do some good things for the American people as we confront coronavirus and get the economy back up and running. All right, Gary, I'm going to turn a few states in red temporarily. Uh, Trump is reelected. He inherits a Republican Senate or he's reelected and gets a Democratic Senate. What does that mean for health care in either scenario, if that's plausible? Well, let's address this in a little bit different way. Dave, we talked about Biden's legacy being coronavirus, trying to get that under control, and then being a bipartisan president. Let's look at Trump's legacy. Uh, I'm assuming Biden will be president. You know, you ask yourself, how is it that Trump got on the wrong side of coronavirus 
and how is it that he got really on the wrong side of pre-existing conditions? Those are the two things that ultimately is going to dog him with his legacy. And I, I do think that Trump came into office, if we remember back, with no interest in health care and no interest in uh, doing anything with health care. And he, I don't think, had any particular background in it. I don't think he knew people that were healthcare people. I don't think he had formed any healthcare team that he had any confidence in. So he got staked out on pre-existing conditions without even knowing he was doing it. And once he was there, then he couldn't work his way back. When coronavirus popped up, again, he, he didn't have any healthcare background himself. He didn't have a PhD in chronic disease epidemiology, so it's easy to be critical of the guy. But the point is that he didn't know anything about it. And his instinct was that it was being foisted upon him either by experts that he had no confidence in or knowledge of, or maybe he thought it was a figment of the liberal media's uh, imagination. I don't know what it was, but he got himself staked out there. He couldn't, he couldn't work himself back. And, he, you know, I doubt Trump had uh, a lot of exposure to the Spanish flu. <laughs> and I doubt he had any real historical knowledge of how a pandemic could develop and how invasive it could be. So, all that said and done, um, I look at Trump as fundamentally a populist. I think that's how he got himself elected. I think that's the appeal that basically is going to deliver 50 percent or close to half the vote. And it's through some of the personal flaws, such as just not being willing to listen to people on topics that you didn't know anything about, which is health care, and particularly the kind of health care that would issues that would lead to coronavirus. So that's my thought about it, Dave. And I do think that had Trump been president with a Republican Senate, seems like business as usual to me in terms of health care. I don't know why it would change from the last four years. If Trump were president and there was a Democratic Senate, then it would be just one battle after the other and probably wouldn't end much different than if it was a Republican Senate. So that that's my view of if Trump had been president, but it uh, doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Dave, your turn to do some scenario planning. Trump with a Republican Senate and Trump with a Democratic Senate. What should healthcare be looking at or for in either of those scenarios? Well, I'm going to do a little bit of a U-turn on you, Dave, and um, I'm going to talk about Trumpism as opposed to Trump. And mm -hmm. I'm still coming to terms with the election results and what they mean uh, for the country going forward. The polls, once again, catastrophically wrong. Um, many of us expecting, uh, based on the polls, a blue wave and everything that that might have entailed. Instead, what we got was a shrinkage of the Democratic majority in the House, a vulnerable Republican Senate that I think many thought was uh, almost believed with certainty was going to go Democratic, uh, you know, barely hanging on under re Republican control. And we saw people 
uh, particularly lower and uh, moderate income people voting for Trump in big numbers. I mean, his, despite everything that Trump has done and said about immigration, we saw increasing numbers of Latinos as well as African-Americans voting for Trump. The exodus of, of white women from the suburbs didn't happen to anywhere near the extent uh, people expected. So we ended up with a nail biter on the presidency. And I think for many of us, myself included, we've been mesmerized by Trump or overly focused on Trump and missed this larger realignment of what's what's happening with the American population. I mean, the Republican Party is essentially now becoming the party of the of the working class. And if they're smart, the Republicans will build on what Trump has done, which is basically recreate the Reagan coalition, the lunch pail Democrats, and start to figure out how to have kind of conservative populism that actually makes life better for working class people. The Democrats who profess to be the party of the, the working class are, are losing credibility with, with that group. So they've got their work cut out for them as well to really, again, deliver for the American people. Because I think the real message, loud and clear, that, that came out from the election results is that people that are in the lower income spectrum don't believe the government is working for them today. And the party that can organize to address bread and butter concerns and deliver in a real way is is the one that will probably shape the political agenda going forward. And what the the people have basically said is uh, they were tired of Trump, but they don't trust the Democrats and, you know, go figure it out. So go figure it out. <laughs> Gary, what's your thoughts on uh, our need to figure it out? Anything to add to Dave's comments? Well, based on what Dave said, I think I'm going to be just keep driving right on up to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, as always, let's talk about next week, uh, but with a little twist here. Uh, starting next week, listeners no longer will be hearing the dulcet tones, the critical insights, and the institutional knowledge of Gary Bisbee. After our debut podcast on April 10th and 30 consecutive weekly episodes after that, uh, Gary is moving on to bigger and better things. Gary, uh, why don't you tell everyone what you're up to? Thanks, Dave. Well, that sigh you're hearing is probably a sigh of relief from our listeners. Uh, thankfully, uh, we got this guy out of there finally. But seriously, it's been just terrific working with both of you um, on this. Dave Johnson and I go back 20, 25 years, and we've been working the thought leadership side of healthcare over that period of time in one way or another. And Dave Berta, of course, has uh, admired your work through the years. And so it's been fun uh, and I think um, enjoyable for me. What I'm going to do is to continue to uh, stay on the board of the Health Management Academy. Uh, I'm, as of mid-year, I'm not involved on a day-to-day -day basis. The management team there is doing a terrific job. Uh, what I'm interested in is thought leadership, uh, as really I have been throughout my professional career, thought leadership for healthcare leaders. Uh, and <clears throat> I'd like to use today's digital technology to begin to personalize uh, content for uh, healthcare leaders. And so we formed a company called Think Medium, 
And what we'll be doing is developing, um, we've got a YouTube channel. The first podcast is called Her Story, and it's about women for women. It's fundamentally a conversation-based show. Uh, and we, uh, again, have uh, the video uh, through YouTube. We have podcasts through the audio podcast through uh, Apple and other podcast forms, and uh, that's the first of several that'll be coming out. But the idea is to create um, a a content um, focus that is really designed for those that want to uh, become or are healthcare leaders and to do it in a way that will be engaging and entertaining and personal. And so you'll be seeing over the course of the next six or 12 months, various strategies that we have to increase interaction um, and, um, and uh, make it uh, a more personal sort of learning. Uh, but again, for healthcare leaders and, Hopefully, uh, we'll get you two involved at some point along the line and like to continue to, uh, to be involved with you. But that's, uh, that's what we're doing on our end, Dave. Yeah, that sounds great, Gary. Dave, any advice for Gary as he opens this new chapter in his healthcare life? Oh, Gary doesn't need my uh, advice. He's uh, among the most insightful healthcare thought leaders in, in the country and has been for a long time. Uh, what Gary can count on, though, is uh, my very deep friendship and unwavering support for his new initiative. So, Gary, just uh, great luck to you. And I, I, my expectation is you're going to knock the ball out of the park on a regular basis. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave. And, and good luck, Gary. Uh, you know, on my end, you've, you've been a great guest. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I, I very much appreciate it. And I do think my favorite <clears throat> Gary moment on the show was when I asked you guys if you were experimenting with any new cuisines while you were sheltering in place because of the pandemic. And Gary's response was, I'm on a need to know basis. Are we all right? Classic stuff. Anyways, thank you guys for a great conversation today on uh, what the election results mean for health care. Gary, maybe you'll pay us a visit after the inauguration, but who knows when that will be, right? Right, for sure. <laughs> well, thanks to you. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks to our listeners. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You can also find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Thanks again for listening, and be listening for a surprise guest on next week's episode. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health. <laughs>